Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. What does it really mean to be a follower of Christ? Does anybody want to answer that question? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? You do what he wants us to do. Live holy. Value the things that he's taught you and try to live it out. Ask, seek, and knock. Yeah, we can probably sit here for hours listing off various characteristics of a disciple. But um, as we've been journeying through all of the various components of a disciple and what that looks like, I've been challenged um, with the idea that we are called to be undeniable Christians to this world. Like the world should know by the way that we live that we are Christians. Do you guys agree with that? If we were to sit in court, would the world be able to, to, would the world be unable to deny who we are and who we serve? Would our faith be disputed? Something to consider. Several weeks ago, Pastor preached a message titled The Show, and he challenged us with our motivation for why we do what we do. And by no means do I think that we should solely live our lives um, just for the sake of displaying it. Um, for outward display, but I think we ought to be challenged with proving our faith with our lives. Um, We want to wear the badge of Christianity, but oftentimes we don't want to carry out the call of the badge. I um, was in Girl Scouts when I was a young girl, and I remember, I don't know how, like, popular that is. Apparently, Girl Scouts is not very Christian, but I was in Girl Scouts, and I remember... um, doing everything to get, like, all the badges on my vest. Anybody else done that, did that? Boy Scouts? I don't know. Maybe there's Royal Rangers. Okay. Royal Rangers. Did you guys have badges? Oh, see? So you had to, like, do certain things to earn that badge. Like, you had to prove that you could wear the badge, right? Okay. So we're all on the same page. Um, but I had to to do something and prove it, okay? I couldn't just say, hey, I know how to start a fire. I had to, like, show that I could do that before I earned the badge that was in Girl Scouts. Um, And as adults, we go through life oftentimes trying to climb the corporate ladder or earn an increased salary or maybe even an advanced title. Um, But in order to achieve those milestones, we have to prove it, right? Okay? We can't just say, hey, I'm really good at this. We have to show something for it. And if we want to keep the title, we have to maintain the identity of that title. right? Or there's demotion or, God forbid, you lose your job because you're not living up to the badge or the title that you should be living with. Second Peter 1.10 says to work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. So the marks of an undeniable Christian. If you're taking notes, that's the title of my message this morning. And um, let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for the word that you've already been stirring in my heart and um, speaking to me about personally. And I pray, God, that you would help me to convey exactly what you have for your people this morning. Help us to receive it with an open mind and an open heart um, for what you'd have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I did a a quick research on um, Christian statistics. And according to LifeWay.com research, um, let me just preface it with... In the midst of all my studies, I didn't, like, dig further to see how legit they are. But basically, they say that out of 330 million people in the U.S., 25.4% are evangelical Christians. Like, that's us, right? And then there's, like, a 40-ish percent that claim they're some kind of Christian. Maybe they're not charismatic or Pentecostal, but they call themselves Christians. 
And then this, the research said 23% of those people who claim they're Christians attend church weekly. 19% claim they ch- attend church monthly, 29% rarely, and 30% never. 30% of that 60%-ish people out of 330 billion people in the U.S. don't even go to church. Bear with me while we um, go through this. 32% say they read their Bible daily, 27% a few times a week, 12% weekly, 11% a few times a month, 5% monthly, and 12% rarely or never read their Bible. It's no wonder that the church has begun to look less different than the world. Okay? We don't prioritize the things that help us become more like Jesus. Do you know that there are people who call themselves Christians and even go to church who struggle with drunkenness, addiction, lying, pornography, marital problems, the list goes on. Those things don't seem much different than the unbeliever, than the world. And so this morning, I really want to um, just challenge us as the church, those who call themselves Christians, How does our life look to this world? Are we separate? Are we different than what the world looks like? We need to work hard to prove that we're different. You guys, we're not exempt from sin, but what we do have that's different than this world is a call to holy living, okay? Holy living requires certain action on our part. So, This morning, we're going to discuss the marks of an undeniable Christian according to 1 Peter 1. So if you want to turn there, we will be in 1 Peter chapter 1. There are several lessons throughout the Bible that describe what a Christian should look like. If you read your Bible on a regular basis, you'll see um, it's not a secret what a Christian should look like. But this morning, I'm going to settle on just this specific passage and what um, the Lord might be saying to us. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Um, the header in my Bible says, a call to holy living. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So I've gathered three marks of an undeniable Christian from this passage that we're going to talk about this morning. But before we dive into those three points, um, we have to first look back on the why. So if you see in verse 13, you see the word so or therefore. You guys see that there? So think clearly. In other translations, it says therefore think clearly. That indicates that there is something that is said prior to that that we need to consider. Um, whenever I teach students or I have somebody who asks me to like help them or mentor them, um, I like to do it by asking questions. Um, the what and the why questions. Like when it comes to practical Christian living, I think we need to be asking ourselves why a little bit more often. Um, why am I doing this? Why am I thinking this? Why do I feel this way? Why am I responding this way? Why do I believe this? Sometimes we don't ask ourselves enough whys, and we go through life just willy-nilly, and before we know it, we've spent days, um, weeks, months, years doing nothing of significance or nothing for significance because we just, oh, I woke up today, and I'm going to do whatever whatever happens. Um, but I challenge our students, why? Why did you do that? Why do you think that? Why do you believe that? So we have to ask ourselves why. Why am I called to holy living? So we're going to hop back to verse 3. And the header there says, the hope of eternal life. Verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Anybody here receive his great mercy? Yes. 
we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do... Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So let's just recap. Because of, verse 3, his great mercy, which is unmerited favor towards sinners like you and I. Everybody in this room needs the mercy of God. Okay, we don't deserve it. We're all sinners. So because of his great mercy, because we were in a hopeless condition, desperate for a savior, Jesus came and saved us. He redeemed us and he freely grafted us into his family. Because of verse four, we we have received an inheritance that does not change or decay. There are inheritances that are left in this world that run out that decay. Um, But there's an inheritance that we have in heaven that does not change or decay. Verse 6 through 9 says, And as we live this life on earth with all of its troubles and tests, we have the mighty power of God who protects us, preserves us, and gives us an inexpressible joy in the midst of it all. Have any of you guys ever experienced inexpressible joy in the midst of difficulty? I have. Because of these things, therefore, so, because of God's great mercy, we could have stopped that one. Because of his great mercy, we are called to a life of holy living. In his mercy, he not only saves us from hell, he offers to walk with us hand in hand to live this life. The word holy means to be separate. And when when God calls us to holy living, it means that we are to be set apart from the world for him, okay, for his purposes. Not just set apart like you can tell you're here for this purpose, but like why? I'm set apart so that God can use me. And there are three areas that will not only lead to a life of holy living, but they will be the mark of an undeniable Christian. I'm really burdened by um, this message this morning because I really, um, I think about how often I'm personally disappointed or discouraged at the lack of distinguishing characteristics of a Christian um, versus a non-Christian. I, I'm discouraged and I'm saddened by it because sometimes I look out and I'm like, you don't look any different from this world. And I'm guilty of this. There's times where I don't look any different than somebody else who is an unbeliever. And that should not be so. We are called to holy living. We're called to be set apart, consecrated for God. And if we aren't living that way, then there is a problem. I'm guilty as charged. I don't always show distinguishing characteristics of a Christian versus a non-Christian. So what sets us, what sets you and I apart from the unbeliever? Like visibly set apart, okay? Where you no longer have to tell somebody, hey, I'm a Christian, but your life says you're a Christian. Because words can be empty, okay? Don't get me wrong, I do think that we should speak of the goodness of God, but we should also be living the goodness of God, okay? We can't go around saying, oh, I'm a Christian, and then on the other side, we're a liar and a cheater, We can't go around saying, hey, I'm a Christian and I love you and then turn around and backstab somebody or not help them when they need help, right? We have to say who we are and do what we say. 
we are. That's the call to holy living. Have our words become empty? Are we giving credence to the hypocrisy of Christianity? You know, that's a thing out there, like Christian, you're a Christian, oh, Christians are hypocrites. I don't ever want to be a part of that. And unfortunately and sadly, there are times where I have been a part of the reason why Christians are hypocrites. God, help us. Are we cultivating holy living or are we just scraping by? So because of God's great mercy, because we've been saved, we ought to be Christians. And here we go. We're going into my three points. We should be, number one, Christians who are disciplined and have self-control. Okay? The mark of an undeniable Christian is a life of discipline and self-control. Verse 13 says, so prepare your minds for action and self-control. Other verses say sober-minded, um, disciplined. Okay, so for the first part of this verse, prepare your minds for action. How do we practically do this as Christians? Feel free to answer. How do we practically prepare our minds for action? The word, what we think about, yes, that is good. What, go ahead, prayer, yes, what we think about, prayer, being in the word. The Greek literally means to bind up the loins of the mind, okay, so in Peter's day, the um, idiom, gird or bind up your loins, a man would gather up, like, his long garments and he would tie them in his belt strap so that he was ready to take action. Like he could run and go to work unhindered. So we have to bind up our thoughts. Think of godly things. There's ways that we can continue to think of godly things. Being in constant prayer. Being in the word. If we're filling our minds with things that are not of the word, then how can we gear up our thoughts towards God? Okay? Be in preparation to be ready to do whatever it is that you're setting out to do. As Christians, holy living. So how can we prepare? be prepared to do what we're called to do? Okay, actions are a result of your thoughts. Okay, most actions, all actions usually start with a thought. And if you say, oh man, I didn't think before I started. Well, you just probably didn't think long enough. Okay, <laughs> think before you act. So actions are a result of your thoughts. To prepare your mind for action is to think on things of God. Think differently than when you were not a Christian and then couple that with the second part of this sentence with self-control or discipline. One commentary um, that I was reading in my study says that to be self-controlled is to be free from every form of mental and spiritual drunkenness or excess. Rather than be controlled by outside circumstances, be directed from within. Okay? So be di- you're directed by your thoughts. So be sober-minded, think godly things, and be directed by that. So I have three sub-points to this because I think there's three very, very practical ways that we can be sober-minded, we can um, gird up our thoughts and our minds and be disciplined. And that is... By being um, in the word, okay? Are you disciplined enough to spend time in the word of God on a regular basis? Are you reading it more than just at church? Like, oh, I read my Bible. I opened it up when the pastor was preaching. Are you reading it more than a quick devotional that you crammed into your day? I know for me, if I'm like busy to the brim, which is seriously no excuse, I've just not disciplined myself in that time frame. But there are times where I just like, okay, I did it. And then I go on my day. I read my devotional or whatever it is. And then I didn't even, I don't even remember what I read because we're just so busy. We are a society that fills our day from start to finish. Are we reading the word on a regular basis? We have to be students of the world, of the word. You cannot live a holy life without knowing the word of God. Okay, this is our instruction manual to holy living. If you go home after today and you're like, I have no idea how to live holy, and you didn't hear anything I said, go home and read the Bible, and you will know because the Bible's words are better than mine. But yes, read the word. The second way that you can 
prepare your minds for action and live a disciplined life is prayer. Do you set time aside to seek the voice of God without allowing distractions to interrupt your time with him? This um, is something that I feel like the Lord has been working on me um, about because apparently, like I said a second ago, Americans like to cram our days from morning to to night. Like, if I could, I would... I have a whole to-do list that never ends, and I could literally do something the moment I wake up until the moment I shut my eyes. And it could be a very long day, like waking up early in the morning and going to bed at 2 a.m., like 20 hours of nothingness, nothing of eternal value. But we like to do that, and we don't make time for God. So have we disciplined ourselves to set set time aside to seek the voice of God? without interruptions as well, okay? We've been accustomed to interruptions. If you have one of these, this allows anyone or anything to grab your attention at any moment of the day. And for me, it's often when I've said, Jesus, this is our time. So what I've had to do, if you don't know, there is a handy-dandy button on your phone that says, do not disturb, And guess what? Nothing gets through. And then the next thing that I have to do, because when I first started putting myself on Do Not Disturb, I would, like, sit there in my prayer time, and I'd start thinking about the thing that I have to do in the next couple of hours, and then I'd need an answer or something. So then I'd pick up the phone, because Google is, like, right at my fingertips, right? And I can get the answer to anything that I'm thinking about. So now put your phone on Do Not Disturb, and then set it in the other room. For some of us, that is unfathomable, okay? Because we have grown accustomed to that. Like, there's nobody in this, there's very few people in America that can live without their cell phone. Think about it, okay? The third way that we can prepare our minds for action and to be disciplined is discipleship. So it was reading the word prayer and discipleship. Have you made it a priority to sit under the leadership of godly leaders and the teaching of God's word? Do you crave more of Jesus in your life? Church has got to be a priority. And I know that there are all kinds of beliefs out there that say, oh, the church isn't a building. I can have church wherever I'm at because I'm the church. But if you, I just want to say this. If you want to know Jesus more and grow in holy living, I can guarantee you 100% that you will accomplish both of those things, knowing Jesus more and growing in holy living when you're inside this building, whenever the church doors are open. Because I know that we have a pastor that desires to teach us the true word of God and lead us into right relationship with God. So when the church doors are open, if there's a prayer event, if there's something going on, even in our service, when there's an event that you can volunteer at, your volunteering helps you to know God more, and it teaches you godly characteristics. So, yes, the church, this is a building, and this building will decay, but we cannot dismiss the fact that what happens in this building helps us know Jesus more, and spurs us on to holy living, okay? So we have to be willing to be discipled, and part of that is going to church. And here's why I think it's also important, especially in America, okay? Unless you're really doing something else that's drawing you closer to Jesus during those times, more often than not, when we miss church, we're likely... (laughs) Um, doing something else that's probably not of eternal value. Now, I don't know. I'm not saying this 100% for everybody, so don't come at me if you are like, oh, no, don't judge what I'm not doing at church. But I know for me, like, when I first became a Christian, anytime that I didn't come to church and somebody was like, hey, where were you? And, like, my immediate defense mechanism came off and was like, well, I I read my Bible today. Well, I had nothing If There's nothing else that you're going to do. If you're just going to sleep, watch TV, go to church. Okay, church is important. Why would we pass up the opportunity to draw closer to Jesus? And here's the other thing, because we're talking about undeniable marks of a Christian to our world. Your commitment to your church speaks to the world. My family knows, like, 
nope, Kiki is not available on Sundays or Wednesday nights. When I plan my vacations, I plan them around what is going on at the church. I'm not saying everybody has to do that. But my family knows. Does the world know by our commitment to our church? Part of discipleship is also not only sitting under the teaching of godly um, leaders, but it's also accountability. Okay? Accountability has to be a priority. In a world where we glorify the private life or the whole you do you and all do me lifestyle, um, we have to purpose to allow ourselves um, to let other people speak into our lives, to correct us, and to challenge us. Okay? I don't have like this crystal ball or this mirror, magic mirror that I can look in and see my life, you know, like on the cartoons where like somebody's out of their body and they're watching themselves make a mistake or not make a mistake. We don't have that ability. We're not God. But here's the thing. God gave us one another to bear with one another, to challenge one another. And there's people that can see our blind spots. When I am doing something, oftentimes I am like my eye is set on the goal. And I need people to say, hey, you might be going in the right direction, but something's about to come at you. We need people to have our back. Life is hard alone. So all of these three things, um, reading the word, prayer, discipleship, all of those things require discipline, preparation, and self-control. Because we have a thousand other things to do after all, right? Everybody here, check off your to-do list on Friday when you were at work or at home or whatever. Did you guys all finish everything you need to do? No, because the list never ends. There's always something that is going to take the place of our time with Jesus. If Jesus did the work of my salvation, sometimes we ask ourselves, why do I need to do any more? Well, we need to do more because the Bible says so. It's time that we as Christians are directed from within and not the circumstances around us. So my first point was to live in a disciplined life. The second point is live in obedience. The mark of an undeniable Christian is a life of obedience. Verse 14 says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Other translations say, uh, do not be conformed. And that same word is used one other time in the New Testament, and that's in Romans 12, 2, where it says, um, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Okay? To conform is to pattern one's life um, or actions after. So do not conform to the patterns of this world. We're called to not live in a manner that satisfies our own desires or the patterns of the world. That means we shouldn't look like the world. We should not look like the unbeliever. In, in simple words, do God's will. Not what we feel like doing. Also known as obedience. Anybody here ever had to do something you didn't want to do, but it was for your own good? Yes. God calls us to do things that we sometimes don't want to do. And when we do it, it's called obedience. Obedience to God, deny ourselves and take up our cross. Crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live. There's all these verses that we, we sit and we proclaim. It's not me. I, it's Jesus who lives in me. Obedience. Um, I was looking at something the other day. Um, one of my friends was preaching a little sermon, and he wrote the word on um, the screen, obedience. And in the middle of obedience, it says die. Okay, D-I-E. I had never noticed that before in the word. Maybe I'm late to the game. But to live in obedience mean that we, means that we often die to our fleshly desires and say yes to Jesus. I have to die daily to what I want to do. I mean, I wear like 500 hats, which means I have 5 million things to do. And I have to die to that if I want to pursue Jesus. Okay, because those things are secondary to me being a Christian and living a life of holiness. 
We need um, the previous verse to live out this verse, and that's the um, mental preparation, um, binding up our minds and our thoughts, and discipline to live lives of obedience. Okay, so you have to be disciplined. You have to think of godly things if you want to obey God. So I have to constantly remind myself that I'm his and I'm not my own. Therefore, I need to live a specific way. Um, And that's not easy. Okay, there are times where I want to respond to a situation the kiki way. And I have to say, kiki, that is not the right way to live or think. Like, you need to do it the way that God has asked you to do it. And it's painful. But that is the way to holy living. I don't excel in it all the time, but I don't want to give up trying. Um, And here's the thing. I'm talking about things that we need to do. And I want to remind us that um, when Jesus went back to heaven, he left a helper with us. Do you guys remember who that is? The Holy Spirit, yes. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to help conform us to the image of God, to help us make decisions that we can't make in our own strength. Okay? No matter how much I can quote the word of God, I know what is the right thing to do, the right thing to think or say. There's many times where I don't do that because I'm relying on my own spirit and I need to rely on the Holy Spirit to help me to live a life of obedience. The old desires and thoughts prior to being a Christian, they don't just disappear when Jesus came into our lives. Maybe somebody here, it it did. Like, there's certain things probably that, like, at the moment that you gave your life to the Lord, you didn't maybe go back to that addiction or whatever. But there, it's still often a struggle because we live in a fallen world, and we have all kinds of things that are coming at us. We need the Holy Spirit to help us live a life of obedience. Okay, we have to rely on him to say no to self and yes to Jesus. Um, Last week, Zach said, if it's a true thing, it's a God thing. And if it's a God thing, it's a good thing. God doesn't have us do bad things. Okay? So if he asks us to do something and we're struggling like, God, do do I obey? Do I do what you're asking me to do? Yes, because God is good. And the things that he wants us to do are good things because he can see beyond what we can see. He can see our future. He can see what's coming at us. He can see who might walk into our influence and need us to walk in that obedience. Okay. We have to trust that God is going to ask us to do the good thing. And before we move on to the last verse, um, I want to say this, the last verse, the last point, hopefully we're out sooner, um, than normal. But before I move on to that, I want to say this, that God has already told you and I what to do in this book, okay? Um, We don't have to ask him every Sunday morning if we should go to church. The answer is yes, because the Bible talks about meeting together as a church. We don't have to ask him if we should love the unlovable, because does it say that in the Bible? It does, yes, okay? We don't have to ask him if we should be generous givers, The answer is yes. There's so many things in the word of God that God has already asked us to do. And we're not doing it because we haven't read it. Because we don't know what the Bible says. Too many times we're waiting for God to speak to us when he already has. So I want to challenge us with that. Yes, I think there are special circumstances where God gives us a very specific task to who you are. And you have the choice to walk in obedience in regards to that. But as far as it comes to holy living, all of those instructions are in the word of God. And so everything that you need to do to live a holy life, God has already given us that instruction. Our obedience should look contrary to the life that we used to live prior to Christ, and it should be visible to this world. So what does this practically mean? I'm going to say a few things here. Um, and some might not like it, okay? But if the Bible says, do not pattern your lives or actions after the world or our old ways of living, some of us need to stop doing certain things 
Some of us need to stop drinking, smoking, doing drugs, cussing, watching pornography, sleeping around, gossiping, lying, hating, cheating, stealing, being lazy. I know that um, some of these things that I listed, there's more that could be listed, might be pushing some buttons and in hearts today, but mine started days ago when the Lord um, put this message on my heart. So we're in the same boat, guys. There are things that I need to stop doing because I am called to not live according to the patterns of this world or my old life. Those things that I just listed are extreme. So I'm just going to quickly list a couple of things that maybe are good things that we disobey in if there's such thing as good disobedience. Um, Some of us (laughs) need to change careers or friendships or possessions, okay? What do I mean by that? Maybe God has called you to do something different with your life, but you had your whole life set on, I'm going to be this. And you never once asked God what you should do. Let me just tell you that if you're still breathing today, it is not too late, okay? Okay? Some of us have sought material things. Oh, I want this, this, and this, and life will be happy. And we never ask God if we should have those things. And those things have now dictated how we live a life of holiness. Some of us refuse to give up friendships that we know are detrimental to us. Now, those things in and of itself are not bad. Um, But I'm just saying, what are the things that God has called us to do that we have not been obedient to. We are called to live as God's obedient children. That's what it says. Live as obedient children. Don't you think his children should look different than the world? This brings me to my last point. And my last point is live in holiness. The mark of an undeniable Christian is a life of holiness. Verse 15 through 16 says, But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, for the scriptures say, You must be holy because I am holy. To be holy is to be set apart. So again, we're going to answer the why before the what again. Why must we be holy? Because God is holy and we're called to be like God. Numerous times in scripture, it says, you shall be holy, for I'm holy. God is literally saying, you should be holy because I'm holy. Okay, I'm not a parent, but I know, like, when I was younger, my dad would be like, you're an Ebway. Live like an Ebway. For you parents, like, you are my child, and you better live like my child. Okay, God is saying, you're my child. Live like me. Represent me. Have the same characteristics of me because you are my child. When we set ourselves apart from the customs and behaviors of this world, we no longer allow our previous beliefs or our previous unbelief to define us. Rather, we're defined by the character and teaching of Jesus. And this is how we can lead people to know him. Holy living should transform every day, every moment, every thought, and every action. Holy living should reach every aspect of who we are, okay? Not just who you are on Sunday morning, not just who you are when you feel good um, right after you read the Bible, but when you're in the trenches, when somebody pushed your buttons and cut you off on the street or did something ugly to you, we should still live holy lives, okay? We don't ju- we're not called to just avoid sin. We're called to live in a manner that says, I live for God because I'm his child, Okay, we are defined by who we live. And let me just say here that um, positionally, we've been made holy through our faith and relationship in, in Jesus. You guys understand that? Like at salvation, we became holy, set apart for him. And then after that, there's something called sanctification, okay, where we progressively work out our holiness in the day-to-day walk, behaviors, and conduct. And we may never reach holiness here on earth, but we can become more holy through, again, the help of the Holy Spirit. 
And then perfectly, our holiness will be made perfect when we meet Jesus face to face. So until then, everybody's still sitting here, so you haven't met Jesus face to face. Let's work out our holiness. Let's work out what it means to be an undeniable Christian living a life of holiness. Are we progressively working it out? Can the world tell that you and I are Christians? Sometimes I can't tell when a Christian is a Christian. (laughs) Nothing um, says more about your lifestyle when you run into somebody at like a Christian conference or a concert or even at church and you're like, wow, I didn't know they were a Christian. Like, (laughs) I'm a youth pastor and oftentimes like students will be like, hey, I just saw my friend from school. I had no idea that they were a Christian. That, or you're walking through a grocery store and you see a Christian acting in an ungodly manner. You probably, your thought was probably like, well, they don't know Jesus. Wow, I had no idea they were a Christian. And God help us if that's what others say about us. God help me if somebody sees me driving down the street or at the grocery store or frustrated because somebody didn't, somebody's customer service didn't live up to my standards. God help me. Not have them walk away and say, man, they were not nice. Or walk into church the following Sunday and be like, ooh, they're a Christian? They're a pastor? They're a worship leader? Like, God, help us. So what does this practically mean to live a life of holiness? Seek holiness. Seek to be set apart, okay? Holiness needs to permeate every part of you. You become more holy when you spend more time with the one who is holy. Spend more time with Jesus. And let that affect the way that you live, not only in word, but in action. Consecrate. Anybody heard of that word before? Consecrate. Devote or set apart yourself to the worship and service of God. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let your life be a living and holy sacrifice. Take captive your thoughts and align your thoughts with God's thoughts by reading the word and immersing yourself in God's presence. And then let your thoughts lead to actions. And let your actions be your identity, a life of holy living. God calls us to be set apart. Matthew 5, 13 and 14 talks about us being salt and light. Salt not only flavors, it preserves from rot. So it preserves us from sin. Light drives out darkness. Darkness, that is sin. If we are called to be salt and light, have we lost our saltiness? The Bible says, if it loses its saltiness, can you put it back? You cannot. If we are a light and we've covered it up, what happens? People can't see it. Now, I, um, I'm getting ready to close here in a couple of minutes, but I want to say this, that the world may not visibly see your sober mind and discipline, like they're probably not going to see you taking captive your thoughts or spending time in prayer and in the word and um, disciplining yourself, making, they're not going to visibly see you having to say, okay, Kiki, I really want to do this, but I'm not going to, I'm going to do this, right? Like, They might not see that, but they will see a life of obedience and holiness. They will see that you respond to things differently. They will see that you don't live a life for self, but you live a life for God and for others. Living a life of sober-mindedness, discipline, obedience, holiness, those things come from an intentional choice to think and behave Christianly. This is difficult, okay? 
If we want to bear these three marks of an undeniable Christian, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit transforms and empowers God's people. And if you have given your heart to Jesus and you have said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, then you are God's people. Okay? You are God's people. And the Holy Spirit is available to you at every moment of the day to help you live a holy life. Our call to holy living is a joint effort. It's us and God. Okay? We do what we know we're to do. That's where obedience comes in. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do those things. Okay? We have to work with God. It's not, if we try to go in our own strength, we're going to hit a wall and we're going to give up quite easily because it's discouraging to live an opposite, an opposition of the world. Okay? But we can do it when we have the Holy Spirit and when we rely on the Holy Spirit. So with that, I've been challenged with this thought lately. We um, had our lock-in a couple of weeks ago and our theme was undeniable and we did a little lesson with the students on what does it really mean to be an undeniable Christian and this question has just been going through and maybe it's just the Lord speaking to me and um, that's fine if this message is just for me then let it be but the question why are we not any different than this world and I'm not thinking I don't have any specific person in mind because you guys I'm in this Um, but I'm talking about the church as a whole The church that is made up of us, God's people. Are we marked undeniably Christian or have the lines been blurred out? I'm burdened by a church that wants to fight for the wrong rights. Like, oh, I have freedom to do this. Well, what does that freedom cost you? Does it cost you like a compromised life to this world? We we try to fight for the right to live specific ways, but we never understand the consequences of how that is on full display for the world. How can we make true disciples when we, when we don't live a life of a true disciple? We have a generation coming up behind us that is looking to us to imitate what an undeniable Christian is, and we have to stop living so close to the boundary lines. And we have to stake our claim as children of God, true followers of Christ. And like I said, you guys, the Lord has been um, challenging me in this message. And I had to answer the question, why? Um, and it's been interesting because in this, literally in this last two weeks, I've had a few um, things come up in my family. But I have a 10-year-old niece who calls or texts me on a regular basis. And she says, Auntie. Is, is this true? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, where did you learn that from? Like, she's asking about the Bible. We're from TikTok. TikTok is teaching the next generation about the Bible. I know we're shaking our heads, but that is true. Especially those children who don't have parents who are raising them up in the word of God. So she says, tell me what this means. And I have to explain to her the incorrect theology that she learns at the swipe of a finger. And the more they swipe, the more those things come up. There might be a sprinkle of good things in there, but that is what the next generation is facing, are these online influencers who want to proclaim the truth of God, but they're proclaiming a blurry truth. And we are not marking ourselves as undeniable Christians. So I have to live a life that is undeniable because she's looking at me for answers. Why do I have to live a life of holy living? Because I have nieces and nephews whose parents don't know Jesus, who are constantly watching me at family gatherings. Oh, is Auntie Kiki going to have a beer? Is she going to have wine? Is she going to take a shot with the family? Because that's what our family does. And I'm not saying having a beer is sinful, but they're watching They want to know, is Auntie Kiki different? Why? Because I have another nine-year-old niece who reads her Bible at home. And um, my sister said, I looked at her and she was reading her Bible and she was really confused. And I said, what are you reading? And she said, oh, you wouldn't understand, Mom. 
Why? Because she knows that her mom is not a Christian. Her mom says she is, but what does her life show? So I have to live a life of holy living for my family, for my blood family, and for this church family, because we're raising up a generation of men and women who are also called to holy living. And if we are fighting to live this life that looks similar to this world so that we don't live uncomfortably, then there's a problem. What it is what is it that God is calling us to turn from? We have a generation coming up behind us. Zach, I'm getting ready to close. A world surrounding us that unknowingly are looking for truth and hope. The world is looking for that. As woke as the world might be, underlying, they just want hope and truth. And as believers, we carry that truth and hope. An undeniable Christian doesn't just avoid sin. They live a life of discipline, obedience, and holiness. This kind of life is evident to the world. This is what they're looking for. A church who is who they say they are. A friend is who, a friend who is who they say they are. A parent who is who they say they are. A child who is who they say they are. A Christian who is undeniably who they say they are. You guys, if we want revival, if I want revival, what are we doing about it? A prayer isn't enough. Words aren't enough. Those things are important, but we can speak all the eloquent words in prayer. We can say all the right things, but if we never do anything different, we are a clanging symbol. And sometimes I'm a clanging symbol. Every revival comes with repentance and a return to holiness. And I believe this morning God is calling us to return to holy living. A life that is set apart. So I'm just going to say a quick prayer. And these altars are going to be open. And my prayer is that the Lord would speak to you and challenge you the same way that he did me. What are we doing? Are we living a life that is blurred to this world or is it a life of holy living jesus help us to live a life of holy living to be set apart for you and to you god may this world never be confused at who we are because we live for you to be used by you god show us areas in our life that we have maybe um compromised in. Help us, God, to be people who are disciplined, who are obedient and holy. Help us to seek after you, Lord. Thank you that we have the privilege of living this life with you. The holiest of holy, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.